Welcome to the Course of Action Podcast. My guest today is Terrence Lee, the introvert leader. He's a team leader, speaker, and leadership coach. Most recently, he's the author of Quiet Voice, Fearless Leader, 10 Principles for Introverts to Awaken the Leader Inside, which you can purchase now on Amazon and other book retailers. Thanks for tuning in. And now, Terrence Lee. All right, everyone, welcome. I'm here with Terrence Lee, the introvert leader. He's an author, he's a speaker, he's a leadership coach, and he's passionate about leadership just like I am. He's got a great book out, uh, The Introvert Leader. He has it in stores right now, Quiet Voice, Fearless Leader, 10 Principles for Introverts to Awaken the Leader Inside. And it's maybe one of the best covers I've seen in quite some time. I think you absolutely nailed it with this, my friend. Welcome. Awesome. Thank you so much. I just appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to uh, be here today. Yeah, of course. I want to start off with a quote um, that I saw in the book. I'm going to read it exactly how it is because I think it's really, really important. Um, It's on page 186 and it says, I'm simply using that as an illustration of how it feels at times that our society has become a culture of searching for likes. If we're truly serving people, then our motive should be ultimately to help them, right? That's huge. That when I read that quote, I was like, wow. Um, and it's in, it's in, uh, in conjunction with a, uh, like a, a post that you did online. And, uh, you say you're in no position to judge anyone about anything or anything like that. But I think you really nailed it when you said, you know, we live in a society that is just concerned with likes and follows and that's about it. You know, we're not concerned so much with the engagement of things anymore. We tend to do things, you know, like this so that we can get more recognition. Um, I started this podcast because I want to have great conversations with very unique individuals um, from all walks of life. I don't care about your political party or anything like that. I just care about you. What do you have to offer? And that's why I said, Hey, I got to have this guy on the podcast because you're, you're, you're writing a book that is kind of geared towards introverts, but this has some book thing in it for everybody. Um, and I really, really appreciate that. Let's get into your story of who you are. Cause as I was reading through the book, I noticed you, you hopped around a lot. You moved around from New York, Florida, Dallas. You were a party promoter. Yeah. I mean, you you have had a story. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who Terrence Lee is? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I'll probably start from the beginning. So, you know, I uh, grew up as a kid that, you know, just like you kind of alluded to, uh, moved around quite a bit. Uh, so my dad was an accountant, so he took a lot of different job opportunities in different cities. And so, um, you know, I was born in Louisville, Kentucky. Then we moved to Dallas. Then we moved to Northern California. Then we moved to Southern California. Then we moved to Rochester, New York. And then we ended up in Dallas. And that's where I finished high school. And then I went to college in Florida. So I kind of bounced around. It's almost like you were a a military brat. That's what, uh, that's what a lot of military families wind up doing. Only your dad was an accountant. That's pretty cool. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So, yeah. So, you know, when I was a kid, I was very outgoing, I would say, you know, I was one of those kids that was the first one to raise my hand in class when there was a question. Uh, I was very, um, 
you know, just talking a lot and talking loud. You know, I was kind of known as like the the loud uh, kid among the cousins and friends and everything. And when I was in the seventh grade, an incident happened with a choir director that really um, damaged my confidence in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I didn't realize it at the time. But now that I'm older, when I look back on what was the pivotal point in my life that changed things for me, that really was a moment. And so essentially what happened is I was uh, in choir one day and I loved singing at the time, uh, really enjoyed it. And uh, basically, uh, you know, we started singing a song uh, during choir one day. And I guess she didn't like the way I was singing. She got very upset. She slammed the piano cover down and yelled at me in front of everyone in the class. And she said, Terry Lee, stop singing right now. You're off key. Just stop singing. Right. And the other kids in the class started laughing at me and it was this whole thing. And, and I stopped singing, you know, I decided to sat there on the risers and, uh, you know, put my head down and didn't sing the rest of the, the rest of the time. And after that day, I lost a lot of my confidence in terms of speaking my mind and speaking up. So mm-hmm. now when I would be in class, if I would know the answer to a question or if I would be called on, I wouldn't want to say anything. Um, I used to want to sit uh, after that day at the back of the class as opposed to at the front. Um, and this is something that, you know, that was when I was 13 in seventh grade, but that then carried into high school, carried into college. I would have people ask me to, you know, hey, do you want to be a leader of this organization or do you want to have a position, you know, doing this or that? And I would always say no. Yeah, I just, you were crushed. Yeah, I just and I didn't, again, make the connection to what it was. But something in me just felt like, no, you're not a leader. That's just not you. You mm-hmm. don't have the personality for that. That's not your thing. Right. And so uh, it even carried into my, into my career. So I graduated with a uh, electrical engineering degree. So I started working at a defense contractor, uh, Lockheed Martin in Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, when I started working there, there were opportunities to speak up in meetings and to talk about my thoughts on things. And I would sit there quiet. You know, I, I would I would have thoughts and things to say. But again, there was just something in me that every time I was going to speak up, it would pull me back. And Mm -hmm. so uh, just kind of fast forward through some things. Um, I did have an opportunity to do my first big presentation uh, at that company at Lockheed Martin because someone put in their two week notice that was going to do the presentation. So I kind (laughs) of got like sink or swim types of of situation. You're up. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like, all right, Terrence, you know, you're the next one in line that he was training. So you know, and here I am, a fresh kid out of college, super nervous already. All the things I talked about, just not feeling feeling like I had the personality to lead or speak. Mm-hmm. And it actually went really well. Uh, the presentation went well. I got a lot of kudos. A lot of people said, wow, for someone that's, you know, fresh out of school, you really nailed it. Um, and that did something for my confidence. Like that day, you know, again, talking about pivotal memories, like that was a very pivotal day for me. And so since then, um, I'm now a program manager uh, for a, a Fortune 500 defense contractor. So uh, I lead teams of engineers, finance contracts uh, on a, a large scale program. I've held a lot of other leadership type positions uh, in the defense industry. And I've done all that while maintaining more of an introverted personality. And so, you know, the reason that I created my platform, The Introvert Leader, and the reason I wrote the book, Quiet Horse, Fearless Leader, was because I want to empower people with introverted personalities to realize that they can lead. 
because a lot of times we think that our personalities make it where if we're not the loudest in the room, if we're not more outgoing or extroverted, we can't be leaders. And so I'm really all about just raising awareness that introverts absolutely can and also educating uh, people that are more extroverted on how introverts think and and the introvert mind. So, um, yeah, that's just a little bit about me. You kind of had a, had a wild journey on the way to getting where you're at now to include being a party promoter. How does somebody who, you know, kind of had their voice crushed and is kind of more of an introvert, how are you, how are you a party promoter? The, explain yeah. that one. Um, yeah. that, when I saw that, I was like, I read it a couple of times because I was like, party promoter. That must have just been the side to you that was a little carefree. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's exactly what I say, too, is that sometimes people assume that introverts are just, you know, all the time want to be by themselves and all the time quiet. And and it's a little more complex than that. You know, so with me, although I do enjoy my alone time and I do need to break away from groups to recharge and things like that. um, At that point in my life, I did enjoy uh, being out with friends. You know, I enjoyed um, just hanging out and, uh, you know, at that point, but at the same time, and I didn't realize it back then, I realize it now when I would be uh, at these events and we'd be, you know, conducting business and people coming in and, and, you know, we're doing different things business wise every night, there'd be a certain point where I would feel drained. It was almost like I would socialize with people, talk, meet them and everything. And then it's almost like I hit this wall where it's like, all right, I'm ready to go. You know, whereas my business partner is he was very extroverted. So he was the type where he wanted to stay till the very end. He was life of the party, you know, uh, type of guy. I talk about him in the book, you know. So we were very different in that way. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I I think that just because my personality is where I can be social and at times I do enjoy being in those environments. But uh, I do hit the wall socially. So, yeah, it's a little interesting for an introvert to be a party promoter it was a kind of interesting mix but you know what i um you know what i thought about when i read that story in the book and you were you were kind of talking about your party promoting days and and how you're explaining it right now when i kind of looked at it and i said you know what we're not an introvert we're not an extrovert we're we're a balance of both some people lean a little heavier to one side over the other and the more I thought about it, the more I said to myself, I think I'm an extrovert when it comes to working and leadership. I know how to talk. I know how to take charge. I can do that with confidence. I can speak. I, that stuff doesn't bother me. Do it, Going to a party, if I went to a party, I would sit in a corner or, <laughs> or, I, would, or I wouldn't go, you know, because I don't like that. I don't like the social setting. I don't necessarily like that. That's where the, maybe the introvert in me comes out and I feel out of place. You put me up on stage with a microphone and ask me to talk about something. Well, then we'll talk. I'll talk all day long. Let's chat. I love talking to people. And that's why I did this podcast. Cause like, this is the perfect way for me to talk to people one-on-one. I'm in my house. There's nobody sitting here judging me. It's just me and you. And the more I thought about it, the more and more I was like, you know, the, the whole label thing in society, we tend to just label everything, you know, and it, it, you're not fully an extrovert. You're not fully an introvert. You have tendencies on one side to other, but maybe your personality is just a little bit more 
towards one. I think I'm a little more of an extrovert, but I have a whole lot of introverted tendencies. And going back to the party promoter thing with you, that was just your extroverted opportunity. You know, that was you being you getting out there. And I think that was really cool. I really like how in the book you have these stories that are very, very relatable. Um, I like that you have plans of action in this, in the book. I also like that you have the, um, the sections that say what introverts wish. I think it's extroverts wish they knew or something. I can't remember. Correct me if I'm wrong. I just really like that. You have the three pillars, you have the actionable things inside the book and you have a lot of really good descriptions to include uh, the restaurant story. The restaurant story really, really hit home for me. And do you want to tell that story? I don't want to give away everything in the book, but the restaurant story was really cool. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, when I was working at a Lockheed, uh, me and some coworkers used to go to a uh, particular restaurant. Uh, and, you know, and I won't name that restaurant for certain reasons, but um, you know, we just used to go there for happy hours after work and, and enjoy ourselves. And uh, one day uh, we were there and, you know, watching a football game. And, uh, and one of my buddies was, you know, standing up by the bar watching the game. And a guy, um, you know, kind of walks uh, by him and, and like bumps him really hard, you know. And then the guy starts uh, basically yelling at our friend, you know, and uh, they start to, you know, they're like in each other's face and everything. And, and our friend was actually very calm. You know, he was just trying to get the guy kind of away and everything. Um, and the guy continues yelling at him and eventually, you know, he walks away and leaves. Well, the management at the restaurant ends up coming over to our area and it was a good, like two tables of us. So probably about like 10 to 12 of us there. And they ask us to leave and we're just looking around like, wait, what, what do you mean we need to leave? And, uh, you know, they basically said, well, you know, there was a disturbance and, you know, we can't have that. So we need you all to, you know, tab out and, and leave. And we said, well, what happened was, you know, a guy came over to our friend and was yelling at him. You know, we actually most of us were just sitting here, you know. Uh, so even with all that, you know, they asked us to leave the restaurant and uh, and we did. Um, to add insult to injury, the guy that started the confrontation, they actually let him back in the restaurant. and He walked past us as we were leaving, you know, so. Um, we really just felt, you know, just very disrespected. It was something where we have been spending a lot of money there because we've been going there for several months, you know, after work and everything. And, uh, so what I did is I decided to write an email about it. Um, and the part of the book that this is in is a chapter on trust. And the reason I decided to put that story in there is because I think it's very important as leaders for us to fight for our team. I think it's Mm -hmm. very important that, if someone on our team is is done wrong or something happens that we feel is unfair, we need to stick up for our teammates. We need to stick up for the people that we work with. And right. So that's why I put it in, in this chapter. Um, but yeah, so I basically drafted up an email and, you know, uh, it was an email that I sent out to a number of people in the Fort Worth area, um, just letting them know about the experience and what had happened, you know, and I told them about the restaurant and what happened that day. And long story short, the email started getting forwarded around and it made its rounds around Fort Worth to the point where literally I was at work one day and the email got sent to me (laughs) around so many times. And it became this big deal, like in the city, people were talking about it. And uh, 
the restaurant ended up reaching out to me. And so me and a few of my friends, they wanted to meet with us and everything, which, you know, we went and met with them. But by that point, a lot of people had stopped going there because I think they had read the email and started to impact their business. And so I remember eventually going there months later and the restaurant had actually closed down. And so, you know, the reason I, I brought that story up is, again, just I think it's very important that we as leaders remember that it's important that people are treated fairly and that if we feel like our people aren't treated fairly, that we stick up for them and we fight for them. So, uh, yeah, that was the reason for the story. And I think you did it in a very tasteful manner, too, because this could have went off on a tangent, you know, and I think you did it as a as a great way of proving a point into the chapter where it needed to be. It had a place. Um, did it did that email surprise you How, the way it, it went around the way it kind of just caught fire was that was that your intention or was it just what happened with that what were your thoughts on how crazy that went oh it, it was i had no idea that was going to happen so so literally i probably sent that email to you know 50 um just you know we kind of had our group of people that we would hang out we played like softball basketball different things after work did happy hours and there were maybe like 50 people on that initial email um by the time it got forwarded back to me the two line on that email was you know i think it was close to a thousand people i mean it was hundreds of people on this email mm. and i know they had forwarded it, forwarded it out to people that i wasn't even aware of you know, so I didn't know. And that wasn't even my intention. That's the thing that's interesting. I, it really started out as I wanted to let my friends and people that I knew know yeah. about the situation. Right. And hey, you, you're spending money here. I want to let you know about the situation that happened. And it became way bigger than uh, than just that. Yeah, it's really crazy how. Um, you know, how it kind of spread like that and then, you know, did you have a hand in in closing down the restaurant? Probably not a huge hand in it. However, you know, a negative review gets around. So that's just the people that read the email. They could have verbally told three or four people. And then those three or four people could have told three or four people. So next thing you know, a thousand people told 7,000 people. Yeah. And in a local area, and I've been to Dallas Fort Worth, you know, there's kind of those hubs because it's such a big place. You know, people within those hubs tend to go to places within their their little, you know, circle. You know, they don't not a lot of people drive all the way across town to go get a beer. You know, right. you go to a place that's close by that you enjoy and that can spread quickly. And what were your thoughts like when you saw that it was closing down? What went through your mind? It was it was mixed emotions, to be honest. Um, on one side, it was like, wow, like I really have, you know, the power to if I feel a way about something like my like I really felt like my voice was heard. So it, so in one sense, I felt like, wow, you know, a little sense of vindication. That was sure. never even my intention. Right. But I, I would be lying if I didn't say that was a little bit of a feeling. But mm -hmm. I think on the flip side, though, what I felt more was that I didn't want to see the restaurant closed down, you know, and it's right. one of those things where when I saw that, I, I was kind of like, wow, I mean, I I didn't mean for that to happen. And and again, like, I'm not saying that I'm the one that caused it, but to your sure. point, I mean, maybe, 
you know, just from word of mouth and things like that. So, uh, that, you know, so it was kind of a mixed feeling. It was a really interesting uh, mix there. Definitely not something I was happy to see, but at the same time, um, there was a feeling of, wow, you know, there, there is power when you, um, you know, say what's on your mind and try to stick up for people and, and things like that. So, yeah, it's kind well, of, and, and you don't know, you don't know the other things they may, may, might have been doing that, you know, weren't good, you know, that people didn't yeah. think, you know, the service could have been bad for a lot of people or whatever it could have been. And, and your email and, and your experience could have been the straw that broke the camel's back for hundreds of people. And they just said, you know what? I was already sick of that place. I, they'd done somebody else wrong. I don't even know this dude, but they did. I'm done with them, you know, and obviously you don't ever want you don't ever want to bring somebody down just because, you know, and, and you can, you can tell, you know, you, t- you telling the story here and reading in the book that it was a genuine thing. You weren't trying to bankrupt the business and destroy a family or anything like that. Right. There was the ill will was not there, but um, it kind of goes into the, to the principle of using your voice. And uh, I commend you for using your voice in a manner to do something right because a lot of times now time nowadays people use their voice with intention they have intent you know anybody can get on twitter and tweet something out it doesn't have to make sense it doesn't even have to be the truth you can get on there and blab all you want to you use your voice for something you know good to let your friends know and it kind of caught fire you know And, and you know what maybe it maybe that was a good thing you know maybe it was a good thing for all parties involved but your voice is so important, but in the title of your book, Quiet Voice, Fearless Leader, how did you come up with that? Because I know I'm writing, I wrote my leadership book and it's coming out in April. Um, I struggled with the title forever. How did you get Quiet Voice, Fearless Leader? Yeah, so I struggled too. I did. I mean, I, I will be totally honest with you. Um I don't think I came up with the title for the book. I was well over half done with the book, writing it before I had the title. Um, I knew what I wanted the book to, uh, to, you know, portray. I knew what I wanted the purpose for the book to be, but I just didn't have a title really tied to it. And I think for me, I really like to uh, challenge ideas. I like to come up with names and things that sound different from the norm. So like for me, introvert leader, the reason that I chose that to be the name for my platform is because I think a lot of people don't view introverts as associated with leadership. When I used to hear the word leader, I would assume it's the take charge person, the loudest person in the room, the extrovert, the outgoing. It's not the reserved. It's not the introverted person. So right. that's why I did kind of do that with quiet voice, fearless leader. I, my goal was to do the same thing. Because when people think of a quiet voice or someone that's more introverted, they don't necessarily view them as fearless. And so I wanted to make the point that you can have your quote unquote quiet voice. You can be more introverted, but at the same time, you can be fearless. You can be an amazing mm-hmm. leader. So, that, so that's kind of, you know, where it came from. But I would be lying if I said that I just, you know, woke up one day in the beginning and <laughs> came up with <laughs> Uh, it just kind of came like when I was, you know, in the middle of writing the book. So that's how kind of, uh, I had a dozen different titles for my book and none of them fit. And I finally just said the hell with this. I'm not, 
not doing this title thing anymore. Uh, I'll sit down and do the title thing when the publisher tells me, Hey, we need, we need a title bully. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, it actually worked out where I hated the first like three chapters of the book. It just, it didn't make sense. It just, it didn't have a direction. I said, nobody's going to read this. This is total crap. And, um, I finally figured it out. And when I came up with it, I was like, this is perfect. And then I was able to tie it all together. Um, and I love, like I said, I love the cover. It's so simple, but yet very powerful. You know, it's got that person standing on top of the kind of the mountain peak. Um, it's a quiet voice. It reminds me of the quietness of the mountains. And I lived in Colorado there for a little while and just standing up there and overlooking, you know, you can see until forever and it's quiet. It's so peaceful, but then you have to be kind of fearless to climb on top of a mountain because, you know, you can fall. There's a lot of dangers. So I really love, I love the cover. I love the title. How did you come up with the 10 principles? Where were you at in that, in the kind of the development of the book? When did it click? Oh, 10 principles. Here we go. I got a format. Yeah, great question. Great question. So, um, again, from a writing process standpoint, this was my first book and I didn't have the outline in the beginning. Um, I started to just write content like I would have ideas and I would just, you know, write it out when I had a thought for the day. And I would say I was probably I wasn't too far in. I was maybe like, you know, 10, 12 pages in or something. And I was like, I need to have a format for this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I need to have actual, you know, something that guides the reader. And so, you know, I thought to myself, well, what makes sense? And what is something that I would want to get out of, you know, a good leadership book? And so that's where I came up with the concept for, okay, well, every chapter, let's cover a different principle. And then my other thing was, I'm very big about action. I'm very big about, you know, um, not just reading something, but reading something and being able to do something with it. So that was where the thought to have an action plan came into place. Right. So, you know, it's, it's the uh, principle for the chapter. And then there are the three pillars within each chapter. And then there's an action plan that's based on each pillar. That's how I chose to uh, structure it. And I really think the action plan for me was was one of the keys because I wanted to make sure that when people read each chapter, there's a takeaway. There's something they can go do today, you know. Yeah. So it's not just reading about chapter one, which is about value. It's, hey, so the first pillar is focus on what makes you unique. So the action plan for that says, hey, write out, you know, one to three things that are unique about you, you know, like, you know, hey, do it now as you're reading it, you know. And so it kind of helps guide the reader, I feel like, and uh, hopefully make change. So, yeah, that's what it was all about. I really like, uh, you know, just like chapter four accountability, you know, you have, you know, you have some examples at the beginning of the chapter. Um, and then you have the three pillars of accountability and you give some examples there, you retain, re- retrain your mind, always taking action, never give up. And then you have the, at the end of every chapter, you have what introverts wish extroverts knew. And then you have plan of action. And if you're reading this book, how you should read this book with an open mind. And again, I'm a little more of an extrovert. And as I was reading this, I didn't, I didn't read the, what introverts wish extroverts knew with a bias. I read it with, Hmm, 
That's interesting. You know, because, you know, I was a team leader at one point myself. And when you're in an organization and you know this because you, you know, you lead a lot of teams now, you have a diverse group of people that work for you. They come from all walks of life, all ages, races, backgrounds, et cetera, et cetera. The only thing that you might really have in common is maybe your education, depending upon the area in which you work in. You know, a lot of accountants all have accounting degrees. Engineers, as I'm sure you know, a lot of people have engineering degrees or something similar. But that might yep. be where the similarities stop. Right. right there. In the work that you have in common, that's it. That's where it stops. Every single one of you might be different. Just having that section in the book kind of said, reminded me, you know what? Uh, you have people who are not going to be comfortable there. You have people who will be, and you have to, you have to kind of read things and say, that's a little tidbit I could take and do something with. And I just really liked how, how you broke it down and how you kind of did that because it's not a guidebook, but it kind of is a guidebook. If you read it, it kind of guides you through, you know, stereotypes and labels, action, the pain, the progress. I'm just reading off different sections of the book, and it just seems so genuine. It was really refreshing to read something that I felt like wasn't such a slant. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. for it's for introverts, sure. But I, as an extrovert, as a leader, I've been I'm an award winning leader. I didn't read it and go, "This guy's full of it." I read it and said, "Man, <laughs> man, this is some. These are good points." Like I don't, I don't think just introverts should read it. I think everybody should read it. Every leader has something they they can get out of this. And you did a good job using different individuals. You know. Shonda Rhimes, Warren Buffett, J.K. Rowling, you know, President Obama, you know, uh, people from all walks of life. And you used really great examples. And it's not super lengthy. It's just a, it's the point of it. And um, I bookmarked a lot of things in here. And here it is. Um, it's extremely important for a leader to learn the art of leveraging their teams through delegation, especially as those teams grow in size. Yes. Yes. Which is which is big because in, in today's world where you know, companies are popping up one minute, they're growing the next and they're being sold tomorrow. You know, um, Facebook went from a social media platform to this multimedia conglomerate that changed their name. You know, um, teams do grow and you have to learn how to grow, but as a leader, you have to grow with them. Right. How have you grown in your career going from, you know, the, the kid in the choir who got, um, you know, basically shamed into shutting up, you know, to the party promoter, to a engineer at Lockheed Martin, to now a team leader. What was your growth like opening your eyes to leadership and understanding how you also have to grow as a leader with the team? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of it, um, came from trial and error, if I'm being totally honest. I think that one of the things about being in the defense industry is the programs that I've supported and worked on, you know, so we're working for, you know, military customers on these defense contracts. And these are, you know, very highly visible uh, projects with tight deadlines. And it's situations where uh, failure is not an option. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's just not. And so you learn to work under pressure. I think that's one thing that's been very key on my leadership journey. I've also uh, been blessed to have some amazing mentors. Um, I've worked with some of the best, I'd say, engineering leadership on some of my programs that I, that I possibly could have found. I mean, you know, some of my mentors, and I, and I talk about a few of them in the book, but, you know, when you have good mentors and you soak up the knowledge from people like that and you get to spend time with people like that and they tell you about their mistakes, they tell you about when they did good things as a leader or when they did certain things that went bad, you know? So I was actually able to learn from the mistakes of other leaders uh, along my journey and that helped me a lot as well. Um, but yeah, but a, a lot of trial and error. I mean, I have made mistakes as a leader. There are times I had to make a decision, uh, you know, for a design, for example, you know, are we going to design the system this way or are we going to do it this other way? And I made the wrong choice. I mean, I, I've done it. And the thing about mistakes is you learn from them. Uh, a lot of people like to focus on the wins. They like to focus on when as a leader, they did everything right. And their team, you know, delivered on time and everything went great. And there were all these awards. Right. But people don't often talk about the mistakes. And that's why I tried to do that in the book. I talked about mistakes I've made because I think it's the mistakes where we typically learn the most. I mm-hmm. probably learned more about leadership from my mistakes um, than anything. You know, oh, I so, agree. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing where you really learn. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, as far as like, you know, what, uh, what you quoted from the book, as far as delegation and learning to leverage your team, that's one of the things that has become really key for me is I think delegation is so huge and so important, especially when you start to grow, because as a leader, you can't be the one to do everything. You just can't. Um, and it also allows other people to shine and to get recognition as well, which I think is very key, you know, so the leader shouldn't be the the only one that is always getting recognition or always getting opportunities to do certain things. I think it's important to pass that ball to other people on the team to allow them to get that exposure and and experience too. So, um, yeah, but, but again, I, I think the biggest thing for me has been learning from the mistakes. That's been the biggest thing. Yeah. I think, um, maybe the most, important lessons I've learned, you know, 12 years of being in the military and then I've been a civilian and working for the government for another five have always been from the things that didn't go well or just maybe didn't work. You know, uh, they didn't, weren't necessarily bad. Some, some of those, you know, sometimes were bad. We had bad outcomes and then sometimes it was like, yeah, well that didn't work. Let's talk about why, you know, um, before we went on to the next thing, you know, but we're in the military and I don't know how Lockheed Martin does it or how you guys do it now, but um, we had, we always had after actions. And the problem with these big after action meetings and after action reports was a lot of times they were really, really brief. If things went well, you didn't talk about much. If it went bad, it could be a two or three hour meeting and a long report. And it was like, we're doing this wrong. If it's good, we need to find out why. We should be talking extensively about this. If it didn't go well or if it went wrong, well, it should be fairly obvious. Maybe we have to discuss about some other things, but it should be fairly obvious. Let's talk about it and move on, move forward. But if it went well, do we understand why? Let's look around the room and, and, and every single person. Tell me why it went well. 
tell me your understanding of it. And I often found with my teams, when I asked that question, I said, so why did that go? Well, tell me why I got a lot of confused or blank looks and said, you don't know. It just went well. We need to understand why it went well. And then from there we can grow. So you you got to utilize the discussion in the same manner, whether it goes good or bad. You know, there's a lot of things to learn and take from it, but I think I've learned more from the things that didn't go well and how to manage people and how to lead people to, to the point where I didn't have to do a lot of talking anymore. I was the boss. I was the manager. I was the leader, but they knew the drill. So when we came and sat down for those meetings or other meetings, they understood and they, they, they would just run the show. And I just kind of sit there and nod or, and, and add something every now and then or ask a pertinent question. And I just kind of facilitate and keep the discussion going. But the team ran the show because I understood my position as a leader. I understood what I needed to bring to the table. And I think that's a, it's a big d- division between a leader and a boss. Bosses know how to come in and, and walk into their office and you got to come see me. You know, I make the schedule, you know, leaders say I'm making the schedule. Does anybody have any issues with the schedule? Does anybody need to address anything about the schedule? I'm going to send it out for review before it's final, you know, type of thing. They have a different manner in which they lead, not one that is, you know, so employee or team driven that they lose credibility, but to a point where it's like, if we're going to be a team, you have to understand that you matter. I'm still the final say on some things and, you know, whatever it may be, but I'm not, you know, I made the schedule. You have to deal with it. You know, if you have a conflict with it, you got to figure it out. You know, um, I think a lead, the difference between a leader and a boss is just simply that they know how to approach situations. They know how to carry themselves differently. And that's just kind of the bottom line. And it's, it's kind of a, you have to be a little fearless. Like, you know, like on the, the, the title of your book, you have to be a little fearless. What I want to ask you now, though, as you've gotten older and as you've kind of progressed through uh, the ranks and you kind of moved up, um, what is your biggest challenge as you move forward on some of these things? Cause you work in the defense industry and depending upon how politics goes, then, you know, that can go up and down. How do you kind of make sure the team's not focusing on that? Cause they're, you know, you know, the next president could cut off defense funding. And then your project gets cut. How do you, how do you as a leader manage the pressures of the team so that they can stay focused and not worry about those outside noises? That's a really good question. Um, So I try to keep, I would call it like an open door policy. Uh, I think that my leadership style, I would like to think that my team really trusts me and they feel open to talk to me about their concerns and what's bothering them. So I think that that helps because I think what happens and, and I've seen this because I've done functional management as well, uh, where I've you know done people's performance reviews and these sort of things. And I've seen where employees will leave an organization. And one of the main things, you know, in, in our human resources and different departments I've been in, they they come up with the statistics for why people left because they'll do exit interviews. Right. 
And almost nine times out of 10, it's not money. Because a lot of times we assume, oh, well, they left to get another job because they're going to get paid more, right? Most of the time, what it's been is they don't feel heard or appreciated by their boss. Mm. And yep. so I realized that and I took that in when I heard that. And that's just, you know, again, back to things that you kind of learn and, and grow from. Um, and so with my team, I try to be very open. I want them to know it's like, hey, if you need to talk to Terrence about something, if you have a concern, if there's something you're frustrated about or if you're worried about something you saw on the news or just anything. Right. You know, hey, get on my calendar. Let's talk. Um, I, I've definitely seen some leaders in my career where trying to get on their calendar or anything, it was like, oh, I just don't have time for that, you know, um, and they would just brush people completely off, you know, and then sometimes you'd go over by their office and they're sitting there with their feet kicked up. I mean, I've literally seen that where someone yeah. requested a meeting with, I won't even call them a leader, I'll call them a boss, kind of back mm -hmm. to your point, right? And they did not, they declined the meeting and then I walked by their office and they had their feet kicked up, you know, looking at the newspaper. I mean, so I've seen those types of bad examples and I told myself, I will never be that. Yeah, That's not what I'll be. So I think to answer your question, I think when you're open with people, and they feel like they can come to you, they can talk to you, they can express their concerns, you have an open door policy, you're still the leader, right? So there is a still, you know, to a certain degree, um, you are at the end of the day, like the final uh, decision maker on some things, right? But there's not this dictatorship kind of dynamic, where they feel like they can't come to you. <clears throat> and just anything you say goes, it's more democratic. It's, hey, I want to know your thoughts on this. I'm not just right. going to make a unilateral decision. I want to know what do you think, you know? And when you create that, then I think it helps when some of the outside noise comes in because there's a certain trust there. People know they can talk to you if they have concerns about any of that stuff. So um, I try to just keep an open door and uh, keep that trust there. I think it's important that um, they know that. The biggest thing um, I used to tell the people who worked for me was, listen, I, I have high standards of you. I expect you to do your job. I expect you to come tell me when you can't. And I expect you to tell me when you need help, you need tools, you need funding, whatever it is. I'm going to work hard to give you those things. But again, if I do, I have high standards that you do your job and you do it well, because we're going to work to make sure that you can. Um, but I'm going to defend you until the day is over. You know, uh, I'm going to yeah. be a bulldog. Nobody is going to walk into my department, into my section and talk to my people in any manner without talking to me first or me being there. You know, um, I'm be staunchly loyal to you because you're going to work hard. You're going to do your job. You're going to be the best at it. And I'm going to give you the things to be best at it. And then I'm going to defend you until the end. However, if you don't do those things, you have to understand you put me as a leader in a position to have to act accordingly. And sometimes that means addressing issues. You know, sometimes it means a counseling, a writing people up. It could even lead to termination, but you have to understand the whole picture. I'm going to ask you to do a lot. I'm going to do a lot to defend you, to support you. We, we both have a role to play and if you don't do that, it's hard for me to play my role. If I don't play my role, it's hard for you to play your role, to put accountability on 
really both sides of the equation. And accountability is a is a big thing that is a recurring theme throughout your book is accountability. There's a lot of people that are accountable. And in a way, I really like how, you know, it, you say it right here on the back. What if society has it all wrong? And to me, that's an accountable thing, you know, and, and it really kind of opened my eyes and I kind of had it wrong, you know. I had a wrong idea of what an introvert was and kind of what to expect out of one. And really it's, there's a, there's an extrovert inside every introvert. It's just, they have a different way of, of it coming out and there's an accountable way for both them and you as an, as a leader and as an individual to kind of bring out the qualities in them and the things that turn them into the party promoter. And I think that's really it's really important. Accountability is a big thing and it's a huge theme throughout the entire book. Um, obviously you have the three pillars of accountability um, throughout the whole thing and it's, but it's accountable for both. I really feel like the book itself is really a, an accountable lesson learned for everybody involved. And I really think that um, I don't care what kind of leader you are. This is something that you should read because it opened my eyes to just thinking about introverts differently. They're not just quiet people that want to be left alone. They have a lot to offer. They just don't offer it openly necessarily. You know, they're not the people to say, to jump up and say, and talk out loud and say this idea or that and raise their hand. Right. Maybe sometimes right. they just, they just want to sit there and think, and that's okay. They're not, they're not boring. They're not, you know, they're not without thought or anything like that. They're just the manner in which they develop, you know, deliver it is a little differently. And uh, it was a refreshing take on, on leadership. I think everybody should read, but what I want to ask you now, now that the book is out, you can buy it. Um, what is next now that you have the book out, what's next and what are the big plans for 2022? Yeah. Yeah. So I've actually been doing a lot of uh, planning and uh, I have a lot of different things, you know, that I'm thinking through. And so really what I'd like to do is start to get into, you know, speaking engagements. Uh, I'd like to start spreading the message um, about this because ultimately, you know, the goal and what this all started uh, out as was a goal to empower people and to educate, you know, so to empower people that don't feel like they can lead, that don't feel like they have what it takes, and then to educate people that aren't aware of the truth about introverts, right? So I really just want to focus on spreading that message through, you know, speaking, through growing the introvert leader platform on social media and, and other and other areas. Um, and then, you know, get into some, uh, you know, potentially workshops. I've been thinking about, you know, doing different types of workshops where I could work with, you know, corporations, different groups. Um, because, you know, and you talked about it, like with your team and how teams are diverse and there are people from all types of different backgrounds with different personalities. And sometimes, you know, people just don't know, you know, uh, it's, it's not that someone that's more extroverted has something against introverts. It's typically not that. It's just mm -hmm. they might have just grown up thinking, oh, introverts are this way. And so I think the more that we spread the message about the truth of 
what introversion means and extroversion and how they can work better together, I think it can ultimately be be good for all parties involved. So, uh, so yeah, so for next year, I'm just looking to continue spreading the word, uh, continuing to get the word out about the book and getting into speaking more and uh, growing the platform. I think, uh, I think it's an interesting conversation. I think it really is. Um, especially way, the way you put it in here. Um, I think there's a lot to learn about it. And I wrote down a quote. I do not remember where I found it at. So forgive me. Um, but I saw it and I immediately thought of you and I thought of the book and it says a friend who can accept my silence is a good friend. And yeah. I think that speaks volumes to how people understand each other and going back to the extrovert versus introvert thing. It doesn't have to be that a good leader, a good boss, a good friend, a good acquaintance understands sometimes you not speaking at all or not saying anything. It doesn't mean you're not loyal. You're not dedicated. You're not interested. It just means you're just not adding something right then and there, or maybe you're choosing not to, you're choosing to be quiet because you understand when you can be effective when you can't, or when you're formulating something to say. And I think in a, again, in a society where we're, we're really focused on likes and follows and, and tweeting whatever we want to, to every single little thing, even if it's not the truth, silence sometimes is, is knowledge. It's all, it's really, really powerful. And I look forward to, uh, we're getting a second book from you. I hope we're getting a follow-up or something. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah. That, that's the other one. Uh, the other thing that, you know, next year is going to be in the works is, uh, and I actually already have the concept for it and I already have the outline. Um, so I'm very excited about that as well. Um, and you know, so in terms of when that'll come or when that'll be released, uh, you know, we'll see, um, you know, I won't put a date out now, but, uh, yeah, the I will say yes to that. It's definitely uh, going to be coming, and I'm very excited about that as well because it's going to be. I will say this without saying too much. It'll be an extension on the concept behind Quiet Voice Fearless Leader. So I'll just I'll say that. Nice, that's really cool. Um, so you're on social media. You have a website. Um, you do linked or you don't do LinkedIn lives. You do Instagram lives on Monday nights. Tell people where, where they can find you, where that, where can they get the book? Where can they get more of the introverted leader in these lessons? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, so people can follow me at the introvert leader. I'm also on uh, Facebook at the introvert leader and on Twitter, uh, at introvert lead. Uh, and in terms of the book, uh, the paperback and ebook are available now. Uh, people can go to my website, quietvoicefearlessleader.com. Uh, and there's also an audio version that's going to be coming out uh, soon as well. So the audio should be out uh, next month uh, in December. And so that'll be available on my website as well. So, yeah, that's how people can connect with me. Just in time for uh, Christmas, too. You can go get the audio book. Um, I know a lot of people that love audio books and, and, and just, you know, they'll, they'll go walking with them. So that's awesome that you're doing an audio book because that can be expensive and a big challenge. But um, definitely think it's well worth the efforts for this book for sure. There's a lot of great tidbits in here. Again, you can find him, Terrence Lee, the introvert leader mainly on Instagram. He's on all the other socials. You definitely have to check out his uh, Instagram lives that he does on Monday nights. Um, 
well worth the drop in to check out and, and listen to him kick some knowledge and, and talk more about this unique perspective on leadership um, for introverts. But again, I, I, I plug this really hard. If you're a leader, I don't care if you're an introvert or an extrovert, this is a great book to listen to and really get some really great knowledge and a different perspective out of it. And uh, Terrence, I really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much. Uh, I wish you all the the best luck in the world with this book. I think it's a great, a great collection of words and stories and lessons. And um, I'm definitely going to hand out copies to some people that I care uh, deeply about because I think it's a really great uh, thing for them to have in their catalog and for them to read and soak up some information. So, Again, thank you for coming on. I wish you the best, and I'll let you have the floor for any one last thing that you want to say to the audience. Yeah, so, hey, I I just, you know, I really appreciate uh, you having me on, Jeff. This has been awesome, Uh, so I appreciate the opportunity. And, yeah, I would just say to the audience, you know, to anyone that listens to this that is more introverted to uh, don't think anything's wrong with the fact you're an introvert um, and don't feel like you have to be something that you're not. Um, you can be uh, successful. You can do well in your field uh, being exactly who you are. So I think that's the thing is to be authentically you and to love who you are. And then if anyone's listening to this, that's uh, extroverted, uh, you know, just have an open mind. And, you know, Jeff, you talked about it a lot, um, an open mind to other personality types and, uh, we're not all in one box, you know, all introverts aren't the same and all extroverts aren't the same. And so I think as long as we all have an open mind about that, then, uh, you know, we can work well together and, and be okay. So yeah, that's what I would say. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it and uh, take care of yourself. Absolutely. Thank you. That's all we have today. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed. Remember to leave a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening on, and check out jeffclarkofficial.com for more. And remember, always forward.